13 minutes past 12, and I would like to invite you to join us on Facebook Live. The Brew is the page, because that's where Marsh is lurking and waiting to give you the flops and the tops of the week. How are you? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Very happy to be back in Hong Kong and enjoy this wonderful weather. Yeah, we did our report from the airport last week. It's the it's the nearest on tour Marshy movie time has ever gone, really, isn't it? <laughs> it was good. It was like literally on the road. It was real. Uh, yeah, well done. And I, I appreciate you accommodating me for that. Well, the Wi-Fi was brilliant from the airport, so no complaints <laughs> there. there. There was nobody there. There was nobody there. So. Uh, you know, you've got to count your blessing. Wonderful. It's well, here than we are. My wife. Yeah, well, here, nice little break for him. Here we are, back in the conversation pit. Marshy Movie Time, join us on Facebook Live. How would you describe today's bouquet in general? Uh, well, it's quite, uh, quite a big name week. You know, lots of people involved in these projects that you'll hear. Uh, it's a tent pole week, you can say, because we do have a big summer blockbuster on our hands with The Flash. Ah. Uh, there's also... Uh, big budget Netflix actioner Extraction 2, starring Chris Hemsworth. Yep. Uh, his fellow Avengers co-star Tom Holland is over on rival platform Apple TV Plus oh. with The Crowded Room, which is a uh, drama series that uh, I'm now able to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and then there, for for the connoisseur, there's a bit of a, a bit of high level French romantic drama with uh, both sides of the blade. Quick flick back to last week, Spideyverse. You seem to be the only person, you and your deep dive colleague, who didn't like it. And um, I have, It's a weird one, yeah. Well, I've actually, some of the movie sites you see on social media, people are going, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's the worst I've heard. Just give us a recap, would you, why you didn't like it and why all the other... Is it because they're fanboys? What's the deal? Or is it because they're being very contemporary and modern? The, the problem I had with it is it was uh, overwhelming. It was kind of too much of a good thing. It was like the morning after Halloween where you've stuffed your face with a bucket of candy yeah. and now you feel sick. Uh, so okay. it wasn't so much that I I didn't like it. You know, a number of the elements in it worked very, very well. I could, I'm a big fan of the variety of different animation styles that are employed within it you know it has a very unique aesthetic to it and i thought that was great obviously lots of representation in there that's tick 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 that's all good um and it's it has no end of ambition to it but what i felt with after the first film into the spider-verse uh which very rightly what <laughs> Yeah, that very rightly won the Academy Award for Best uh, Animated Film that year. And, uh, you know, it, it promised great things. What we got this time is that classic sort of middle film in a trilogy issue where it doesn't really have an, a beginning, doesn't really have an end. It's just a whole lot of unresolved... But technically it's brilliant, apparently. that's that's Technic Technically it is brilliant. Uh, it looks amazing, it sounds amazing, it's got an excellent soundtrack... Uh, I just felt that it was kind of spinning its wheels a little bit narratively. And when it's two and a half hours long, that's a lot of wheel spinning. That makes sense. Anyway, let's move on to this week's stuff. Join us on Facebook Live. Love to hear from you because it's been raining, so you might not have been out all week. What you got? This is this is true. And for those who do not want to go out uh, this week, there's um, a couple of couple of juicy titles on the streamers. The first one I want to talk about is The Crowded Room, which is a new show on Apple TV Plus, which actually started last week. Oh, yeah. What they did is they dropped the first three episodes of 10 
last week and then the fourth one has just dropped this morning so i checked that out this morning and um it's based on or adapted from a, a famous non-fiction book called the minds of billy milligan by daniel Keyes. all right now when we were given um screeners ahead of time so that i could watch it in time for when it launched last week mm -hmm. uh, apple were very um they're very strict about not releasing certain details about the story. Right now, we're now four. We're now four episodes, four hours in to the ten episode series, and the things that they don't <laughs> want me to reveal to you have have still yet to actually be revealed in the show. So I feel that I still can't spell out for you what the thing is, but what I can tell you. Is that um, it's the story of a guy called Danny Sullivan, played by Tom Holland, right. growing up in its sort of seventies uh, suburban USA. Uh, he he sort of has a bit of a broken home. He's living with his stepdad. He doesn't seem to get on with very well, and his mother. Uh, at high school, he's bullied. He has a couple of confidants, a couple of friends, but otherwise he's kind of ostracized and bullies. There's a sort of new girl at school who seems to take a fancy to him, but. Um, but but she's a sort of something of an outsider herself. Then there's a, a mysterious Israeli guy who moves into the house across the street, sort of middle-aged guy, and has a kind of boarding house situation goes going on there. So when things come to a head at home... You are sounding like a bloke who's been embargoed, James. I've got to give you that. Yes, yes. So I'm tiptoeing through the tulips, as it were, uh, trying not to knock any of them over. Uh, the, the the drama begins where Danny's just been arrested for uh, a shooting incident in Manhattan, at, right outside Rockefeller Plaza, uh, where he says that he was um, doing the bidding of his friend Ariana, played mm. by Sasha Lane, and she's she's now disappeared. They can't find her. Um, he is being interrogated by Amanda Seyfried's character, Rhea Goodwin, uh, and we're not entirely sure whether she works for the police or whether she works for another institute, and she seems to keep circling back to this idea that this this girl that he's talking about, who he lives at this boarding house with, who seems to have cajoled him into doing this life-threatening thing, this very dangerous incident, um, they can't find her, nor can they find the Israeli guy that, that runs the boarding house. Uh, and the, the further she pries into his very elaborate and traumatic and difficult story, uh, the more the more pro more problems that she comes to, the more she can find that there is nobody around who can corroborate his side of the story. Right. And that's still four episodes in. That's still where we're at right now. Um, what I can do is I can point to the fact that in the <laughs> in the opening, should we be watching in the it opening credits? Basically. Well, this is the, this is the thing you don't know. It's because the yeah. the answer to that is quite simply yes and no. This was oh, put on my right. radar very early on because it's adapted from this nonfiction book by Daniel Keyes called okay. "The Lives of Billy Milligan," right? Which actually my wife put me on put this on my radar many years ago. She read the book. She's a big fan of the book, and she's kept on talking about the fact that the, this has been a project that various talents have been circling for years, from James Cameron to David Fincher. Uh, DiCaprio for a long time wanted to play this incredibly challenging role of Billy Milligan, who was a real guy, who. Um, you know who is in the, the annals of history for the out because of the outcome of a case where he was tried mm. for rape multiple cases of rape and murder 
in, I believe, the 1970s. Right. Okay. Um, Danny Sullivan, the, the fictional version of the character here in the TV show, his crimes have been watered down. He's not up for rape and murder. He's up for sort of attempted murder or sort of a, just this shooting incident. So you get the impression that the show wants us to be more sympathetic towards him, that he's not quite yeah, the that monster no that he was in was real the life. real charges, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what we also know, so in the opening credits, it says it's adapted from this book. So if you know what this book is about, then you know what the show is about, even though, as I say, four episodes in, it, the, it, the show still hasn't shown its hand. It is also uh, the subject of a recent uh, Netflix documentary series. Right. Uh, which which is titled, and I want to give you the title of it because that will help. Um <laughs> Where is it? Yeah, it's it's recently on Netflix. It was one of their like true crime drama shows called Monsters Inside the 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. Okay, this is another thing that has been adapted from the same source material. Remember a couple of nights, uh, years ago, the uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie Split starring James McAvoy? That is also uh, accredited as being widely uh, influenced by this book, the, the Lives of Billy Milligan. But I cannot tell you why. Just get on Wikipedia. But if you, if you, <laughs> yeah, if you can put all those things together, that you've got a book called The Lives of Billy Milligan, you've got a documentary series on the same topic called The 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. If you know what the movie Split, starring James McAvoy, is about, then you know what this show is about. And I just wish that they would just get on with it and actually address the issue because that's the interesting part. But, we're now almost halfway through the show, and they have yet to even acknowledge that that's what's going on. They have, you know, dropped breadcrumbs, and if you if you know where it's going, and I think a lot of people would be, uh, then it's it's becoming increasingly obvious. But they have yet to actually acknowledge it, and so therefore I am not permitted to act, actually acknowledge it. Um, but it's annoying because I think it would be a better show if they just embraced the fact and got on with it. I, um, because, not least because it would it would challenge Tom Holland to give a more complicated and multifaceted performance than he is at the moment. I haven't seen it. I'm probably not likely right. to, but I'm going to have a quick punt here, apropos nothing, and say he possibly, possibly had disassociative disorder, disassociative identity disorder. I mean, <clears throat> I'm just guessing well, could, from I, what you've told I me. I can neither... I can, I can neither, neither confirm nor deny I mean, that, that, that that is what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Either that or he was that fat bloke from Monsters, Inc. Anyway, so let's move on to today's uh, second movie, because I think you've really exhausted, you've exha okay. you've exhausted um, your possibilities. Well, I mean, the one thing I will say about it is that, as with a lot of Apple stuff, who, who make fewer shows than Netflix or whatever, uh, the production does... Um, the, the production levels are very, very high. It's being overseen by um, a Hungarian di director called Cornel Mondrisco, who, who, Mon sorry, who I'm a big fan of. Yes. He did uh, White Gods and Jupiter's Moon, Pieces of a Woman recently with Vanessa Kirby. He's a really good filmmaker, and he directed the first couple of episodes, and he's an executive producer on the whole thing, as is Brady Corbett, who's another sort of interesting actor-turned-director. Yeah. So, you know, the quality is all there but it's just it's just incredibly frustrating that they won't just get on with it okay one thing you've mentioned before with series like this is they're just too long mm. too many of them you sort of right. want to do the first three apps skip the middle bit and go to the final three and you still get a clue 
that's that's very often the case with these things whether it's a, a fictional show or a dramatic show um i can't say that specifically that's the problem here the problem here is just you know there's an elephant in the room and no one's no one's talking about it okay well look, getting... i think one question that you've answered is it does despite the fact that some details are different it does basically go along with what actually happened in terms of direction well, it it is a it, it acknowledges that it's a fictionalized version. Like the names are changed and the crimes have been, as I say, diluted uh, you know, to make him more sympathetic and whatever. So it's it's inspired by rather than adapted from. If that yeah. makes sense. Okay, thank you. Um, so so the, <laughs> so sadly, the short the short answer to that is actually no. It's not a, very, a faithful adaptation. It's 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 doing its own thing, hmm. uh, but it, it is doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. And I, because I, because that that's so the reason to watch it. <clears throat> well, tell me, I'm four hours and, <laughs> and uh, ongoing. All right, let's. I know, I'm now, I'm now hooked in to watch it. Maybe this is part of their kind of plan. I'm now hooked in to watch it to see just how long they're going to string this out before they actually <laughs> reveal it. So uh, anyway, we shall see. It's, so it's it's frustrating. I would like to hear from anybody who is watching it. Yes, and doesn't know what the story what the story well, they probably is do doing. Now. And whether, whether I'm not pointing out anything that's not right there, but um. You know, and, and is it engaging or are you getting frustrated with it? I'd I like to know. I think. Anyway, let's see. Let's see. I mean, mm. masses of it, but uh, a good piece of, technically, again, good piece of cinematography. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong oh, with the yeah. production of it. There is that. All right. Let's yeah, do something for a few minutes. Let's start something mm. that cheers you up and that you can really get your fangs into. Well, I could probably do both sides of the blades in... in um in four minutes it's the new movie from <laughs> or, or not mentioned claire, at all <laughs> it's a new film from claire denis who's a you know hugely a, um accomplished and respected french filmmaker yes. uh, and this stars juliette binoche vincent linton as a middle-aged uh very happily married couple still appear to have a very active sort of uh sex life as well uh and you know everything seems to be going on we, we learn that uh jean uh, played by Vincent Lindon is um, a former rugby player who has done a bit of time in jail, but he's now kind of you know on the on the straight and narrow. He has a mixed race son, teenage son, yes, uh, called Vincent, no Marcus, sorry, who is uh, you know struggling to find his way in contemporary Parisian society. And his wife uh, Sarah, they've been together ten years. She works. She she has your job. She works on a radio show. Well, she has her own radio show and. Um, Hmm. Seemingly everything is going well until out of the woodwork comes Francois, played by Gregoire oh. Collin, who is Jean's old best mate and is Sarah's former flame. Yes. Yes. You know, he, he emerges uh, seemingly to offer Jean a job. He's setting up a new sports agency and he needs a talent scout to find oh, promising young on. rugby players. But it, appear, it, it you realise very quickly that the um, the embers of the passion between Francois and Didn't Sarah have coming. not been Did not extinguished. It's incredibly French, you know. This <laughs> is it's it's all enough. about. Well, yeah, exactly. And Vincent Ludon, who we last saw cradling a car baby in Titan a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, 
you know, this this is a movie about our place in society, our place in relationships, people uh, you're struggling to identify where they belong and with whom they belong. It was filmed very evidently during COVID. And yes. that becomes kind of part that becomes part of it. Not only are there sequences with characters wearing masks out in the streets and on the metro and what have you. But uh, that claustrophobia of being uh, confined, you know, with one person in one space and and then what happens when you are unleashed in public is very much what plays into the themes of the narrative. So if that's your bag, then uh, both sides of the blade is for you. Um, but it's not it's, yours. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, but that's it. No, it's, it's I can respect it from afar, uh, but it's not. I'm not going to go rushing back to see it anytime soon. All right. It's very nearly news time. What are we going to get to straight after? The Flash. Lovely. Cannot wait. Let me just put you on hold. There we are. He's gone now. Join us on Facebook Live if you'd like to chip in with Marshy Movie Time this Friday lunchtime. Let's have a look at the weather forecast. Amber rainstorm warning, thunderstorm warning until at least one o'clock this afternoon. Cloudy, showery, thunderstormy. It's going to be moderate south to southwesterly winds this afternoon. Showers tomorrow, heavy at times, more thunderstorms, but hot apart from a few showers in the following couple of days. Right now it's 26 Celsius and we've got 96... Yep, still marshy movie time. Did you see that? The ducks are leaving early, obviously. Smaller bill, though. I think that would be quite good. Yeah, that's oh. quackers. <laughs> but, um, all right, let's move on. Oh, OK, all right, The Flash. Just give you a minute to let's laugh. See, I know, laughing at my own jokes. Yeah. Well, no one else will. So. Perhaps they're going to turn one of them into a soul duck and put it in a microwave until it's Bill Withers. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Very good. Back in the room. Very good. Back Very good. Room. Back in the room. All right. Well, it's your show, I suppose. Um, all right. <laughs> so, The Flash, okay, is uh, obviously big new DC uh, uh, superhero movie. It's also a major crossover multiverse event, bringing in lots of lots of other characters, perhaps even characters that were earlier iterations of some of our favourites, like Batman and Superman and whatever. Uh, which is no real because it's He's having a freeze up on me. Oh, he's uh, reprises their reprises their role as Barry uh, Barry Allen, aka. Who does? You had a little Wi-Fi blipette there. Who reprises what? Say it again. Uh, okay, so Ezra Miller reprises uh, the role of Barry Allen, aka the Flash, yep. which we saw them play in uh, in Justice League for. Uh, for a, a couple of years before, opposite sort of the Ben Affleck version of Batman yep. and Gal Gadot as, as Wonder Woman and what have you. When we meet him, he is in uh, Central City, I believe it's called, or Capital City or Central City, I think, one of them. And, you know, the Justice League are doing their thing and, uh, you know, saving babies and what have you. <laughs> Barry Barry Allen's origin is that he is a bit like Batman. You know, he's... he's uh, living with trauma uh his mother was murdered when he was uh, a, a young boy or a teenager uh and his father has been in prison for the crime ever since barry knows that his dad didn't do it but that no one was able to prove that it wasn't the case and so his dad's been put away for it okay so now it is about sort of 10 years later and he has his flash powers what he has discovered at the beginning of this film is that his speed force the force that enables him to travel super 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 fast actually yeah enables him to travel faster than the speed of light and so he can actually travel back in time and he re he goes to batman bruce wayne with this information and bruce wayne says don't do it 
you know, nothing good can happen, butterfly effect, whatever. You know, we've all seen films where people go back in time and, <laughs> and change things and it doesn't, you know, you could destroy everything, he says. You know, Barry says, I could save my mum. I could save your parents, Bruce. And he's like, no, you know, not every problem has a solution. The scars and the the tragedies in our life are what make us who we are. Don't Don't mess with anything. And like plainly, they never watch Back to the Future. Well, it's funny you should say Back to the Future because that film is referenced a number of times in in this movie. And, and yeah, and we'll get to that. Uh, Barry obviously doesn't listen. He goes back in time. He he tinkers with uh, with with the timeline, saves his mum's life, and uh, realizes that that was a huge, huge, huge mistake. He has he now becomes trapped in that alternate reality, the reality where his mum didn't die, where he is now eight. He, he comes across his eighteen-year-old self and uh, realizes he's lost all his powers. There are no metahumans, superheroes in the in the universe. What are they going to do? Because now General Zod, as played again by Michael Shannon, <laughs> it invades Earth looking for the, the Kryptonian. What's he going to do? Yeah. And so that is what's what's uh, the, the premise that he is presented with. So he he's uh, he's buddy buddy with an eighteen year old version of himself who he has to in, give powers to. They have to seek out if there are actually any Justice League members in this version of reality. And as the poster shows us, there may not be a Wonder Woman, there may not be a Superman, there may not be an Aquaman, but there is a Bruce Wayne, and it's Michael Keaton. Highlight. Go on. Yeah, so so he teams up with Michael Keaton's Batman and the Kryptonian in question, as we also know from the poster and the video and the trailer of this movie. So it's not a spoiler. Uh, is is Supergirl? It's not Superman. It's Supergirl, as played for the first time by Sasha Kaye, who is a Colombian American young actress, and this is her first movie, and uh, she's actually pretty good in it. So that's that's essentially the setup. That's the plot. Uh, Ezra Miller, when when they did um, Justice League, when they first introduced the character of the Flash, was positioned pretty much as uh, a comic relief within the Justice League. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman was pretty pretty serious, as was uh, Superman and all the rest of it. And so Barry Allen was there to kind of crack crack wise, make goofy jokes, and be be a little kind of weirdly autistically ADD. There was something something slightly odd about the, the portrayal of the character. He was slightly sort of on a different wave than everybody else. But as a supporting character with comic relief, it worked. Now, he has the burden of an entire movie upon his shoulders. And even when there are two of them, I've got to be honest, but Ezra Miller does struggle a little bit. And mm. I don't think it's um, because they're not a very good actor, but I think it's because Barry Allen is as as uh, Miller has uh, embodied him, is a bit annoying. Ah, you know the character. The character even acknowledges to the have a himself at once. Big impact, actually. Go on. It is. I mean, when that's the lead of your movie, I mean, Barry Allen even acknowledges to his his other Barry Allen self at one point. He's like, "I know I'm a lot. I know I'm pretty obnoxious." And the answer is, "Yes, yes, you are." Uh, and obviously, because there's been a lot going on with Ezra Miller off screen in the last year or so i mean this this young actor who has been thrust upon the world stage has struggled with fame and mental health and what have you and caused a few problems here and there uh, you can understand why um dc and warner brothers were slightly reluctant to put here put put 
put the character front and center in the yeah. movie. And so that's why you have such a, a an attention grabbing uh, appearance from, you know, Michael Keaton reprising his role of, uh, of Bruce Wayne, aka Batman from the Tim Burton ones. That's why you have this new incarnation of, uh, of uh, Supergirl. And those are the characters that are being pushed in the marketing. One wonders whether the original idea was to keep it all secret. But obviously, because they can't have, they haven't been able to really sort of utilize Ezra Miller as much as they'd want to over the last sort of six months or so. Yeah. They're like, we're going to have to, we're going to have to actually, you know, lean, lean on these other characters and kind of reveal them ahead of time, one suspects. So what you get is clearly these guys were watching uh, the big Spider-Man movie from a couple of years ago, No Way Home, where you had like all three, you had Tom Holland and you had Tobey Maguire and you had yeah, Andrew yeah, Garfield yeah. all together on screen fighting all the villains from all the different versions of Spider-Man. And you saw, D, you know, that's a big Marvel movie. And you saw DC go, we need to do something like that. Their comic books, their storylines have a sort of multiverse element to them as well. So it's not new to introduce all of that. And obviously they have a long history of different screen incarnations of particularly, particularly Batman and Superman. Mm. You know, many different actors have played Batman over the years and many different actors have played Superman over the years. Um, why not throw some of those into the mix? Uh, so that's what happens. That's what you do. I'm not going to spoil any of the specifics because they are nice surprises but you do see uh you know streams are crossed shall we say and you do see other incarnations of them what the frustrating thing is is that whereas in uh, the spider-man movie uh it, it all felt earned and organic that these characters got together and worked together because the villains were working together so therefore they, the different incarnations of spider-man had to work together yeah. here none of that is earned and so you do see other other iterations of some of these beloved characters, but they literally just kind of sort of pop up. You know, it, it's very cynically handled. It's just like, hey, look, there's so-and-so. Hey, look. There's How so -so. long before these kind of applied, advanced superhero movies kind of outstay their welcome? Well, here's the thing about all of that. I mean, on the one hand, you can say, yes, there's the, the fatigue is setting in, you know, mainstream audiences have had enough of all of this yeah and as soon as you throw multiverses and time travel and all of that kind of stuff into the mix the stakes are thrown out the window you know nothing matters anymore these lives are not in jeopardy anymore uh because they can just rewind it and do it again you know or there's just another version of them that can step into the the hole that is left so that's the problem. I mean, the other argument is you just point at the legacy of all of this stuff, mm -hmm. and particularly DC, which has been going much longer than Marvel has. These comics have been going since the 1930s, uh, pretty much without a breath. And right. you, you just have to say there are generation upon generations of fans who love, love this stuff and continue <sighs> to love it and are clamoring for more. So why would you stop? I mean, the interesting thing about that is the fact that um, there is DC at, at Marvel's at Mar I'm sorry, DC Studios at Warner Brothers is in a state of massive upheaval at the moment. Um, this is the end of the road for the current uh, version of this franchise that we know about. Uh, they have new leadership coming in. Uh, you have James Gunn and um, what's his name, Peter uh, Peter uh, David uh, Peter Safran. Peter Sassafran, mm. who are coming in and, they, and they've already said we're throwing everything out 
and we're starting afresh. So you watch a big film like that where, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing in all of these different versions of everything. And on the one hand, you're like, oh, what are the repercussions going to be going forward for all of this? No, nothing. There aren't going to be any repercussions because we already know that they're chucking it all out and starting again. I think the only things that they're going to be keeping after this year are the Robert Pattinson Batman character, but that's going to be its own thing. Okay. Uh, as And the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker character, but that's going to continue to be its own thing. Um, but then they're going to launch a whole new Batman. They're going to launch a whole new Superman. Who's this? Um, apparently the, the, the buzz... The buzz for this movie has actually already seen them start to course correct and backpedal on some of the things because apparently the the uh, the tracking for this movie, you know, how well they perceive this movie to to do, even though it's only opening this weekend everywhere, has been so positive that they're already now planning a sequel to The Flash. And the director, Andy Muschietti, who previously did the It movies, which were very good, yeah. has said, I'll only do it if Ezra Miller comes back and does plays The Flash again around which there was a question mark because the actor has proved something of a problem. Um, what did he do, for those who don't know? Um, specifically, he's, he was out in Hawaii for a long time and he was getting in fights, uh, drunken fights, and I think he pulled, pulled guns on people. And I, I haven't got the specifics in front of me, but there was a whole long stream of him just acting uh, weird out. and disruptive yeah. uh, in public. And no, and to to the actor's credit, they have um, put their hands up and said, I need help. They've gone into uh, into uh, rehab therapy, whatever it is, and it's working, working on my issues, they said. So okay. yeah. uh, a lot has been made, a lot has been made of the fact that um, they identify as non-binary as well. And I've tried to be careful and respectful of that and use the appropriate pronouns. I but you were talking they have been... They have become something of a poster child for 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 people who are you know anti anti trans and anti all of this kind of stuff. Anyway, they're like, look, look, here is a public figure who identifies as non-binary and is a problem, and so it's kind of all it's all become you know, caught up in this big, 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 big mess. Oh, uh, well, the only thing I was going to say is that is that Sasha Kay, who plays Supergirl in here, and is probably the single best thing in the movie, actually. Um, have you noticed every time you talk about a movie like this, you exhaust yourself and me. Mm. We just feel like at mm. the end of these conversations... Because there's so much. It's not, this is not a criticism. You're doing brilliantly, but I just want no, a no, no, cup no. of tea now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's what, that's what it feels like watching these I hear movies. You. There's, so much, there's so much going on on screen. And, there's, and because they're such big... Um, properties now there's so much going on there's so many moving parts behind the scenes that um it does it all gets it all gets pretty exhausting i was just gonna say that yes they have they have now sort of said that they're gonna do a spin-off supergirl movie with they, who are we talking so, about now dc okay so the whole but the new heads of dc the incoming heads of dc who had previously said they were throwing everything out right are now sort of saying oh well actually we might not we might pick and pick this bit and cherry pick this bit and okay. uh, and all the rest of it so i mean as is the case with all of these things i think if you're inve already invested i think there's a lot of stuff that you're going to enjoy in this uh it's, it does feel far more like cynical fan exploitation than just give us a Guy Ritchie bank heist movie or something as a panacea to all this. <laughs> you know what? On that note, 
I will leave this and just say you're either in or you're out, and I think you already know. Yeah. And we'll move we'll move on to extraction two, which is absolutely no nonsense, nuts and bolt. You're either in <laughs> or you're out. Action action movie from uh, from Chris Hemsworth, which drops on Netflix later today. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, to see it early and. But thankfully, they released their embargo yesterday, so I can talk about it. Normally, I have to wait a week in order to talk about these films right. because the embargo the embargo is at like 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, which obviously for us is not very handy. Uh, but um, this one, actually, the embargo lifted yesterday, which shows that they've got a bit of confidence in it. Um, Extraction, you might remember. Most people have seen Extraction. If they watch big movies on Netflix, Extraction's Chris Hemsworth as a mercenary called Tyler Rake, who went to Bangladesh to... Uh, rescue the son of an indian gangster and it was real sort of tough muscular testosterone fueled uh, stripped down action that was you know very violent lots of lots of close quarter fighting uh shooting stabbing and long extended <laughs> uh tightly choreographed action set pieces the whole team returns hemsworth uh director sam hargrave producers uh, writers Anthony and Joe Russo, who obviously did the big Marvel movies, Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame and what have you. Yes. Uh, Sam Hargrave uh, was the action coordinator from those movies. He was also the action coordinator for Wu Jing's monster hit in China, Wolf Warrior 2. Uh, and they just, it's essentially, let's do the same thing again, but bigger, louder, better, <laughs> more ambitious. And so they, they transplant the action from Bangladesh to the Caucasus, to Georgia, and then it moves on to Austria. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's the same story. It's like, we've got to go into the most dangerous place in the world, rescue people who are being held captive by those most dangerous people in the world, uh, and then get out and do it safe. The big showstopper sort of money shot in this movie is is the extraction itself which is a 21 minute single take shot which begins with a prison break navigates a prison riot a car chase a train chase helicopter gunships and ends in a massive train crash about probably 50 miles down the track um officially i i think there are some cheats i think there are some hidden cuts in there because it's it's impossible just from a from a um holding a camera surely they wouldn't say it if it was i mean they know people know these things unless there's a technicality well, they, they do they do and i would love them i would love them to to tell me that i'm wrong because if they re- if it really is one single unbroken shot then then i take my hat off to you uh either way it's pretty exceptional so what this is is um you know, bangy, bangy, crashy, crashy, punchy, punchy, stabby, stabby, uh, <laughs> for two hours straight. Chris Hemsworth, you know, it's incredibly physical performance from him. It's it's from the same school of action filmmaking as like the John Wick franchise. You know, it's it's fighting and stunts choreographed by people who know their fighting and know their stunts. You know, right. this is the real. I mean, there's little CGI in there. It's possible. Uh, you know, this is it's all in camera. It's all there on the screen. It's really happening. Right-o, yeah. I will say. I will say what it lacks that the John Wick franchise has is a kind of sense of humor. The John Wick movies are fun in their kind of over-the-top opulence and sort of tongue-in-cheek ridiculousness about the grandeur and the spectacle of the world in which they operate in. That's you don't get that here. This is this is gruff, 
men in beards with body armor and big guns, (laughs) you know, just looking all dirty and sweaty and just... Just what you need after talking about Spider-Man and the Flash. Really? Well, you know, if you you want a Guy Ritchie-esque, you know, no-nonsense gun gunfight movie then extraction two is the nearest thing i can offer you and it will be on netflix at three o'clock so you only have today. two hours to wait Ooh, super today deep. that's about it for today i reckon <sighs> i need to lie down i think you do nice one marshy movie time will return see you james well done bye-bye <laughs>